Dave's podcast, episode 14, the day of pig's disaster, opening a shop, Terry, Collins and daughters. So by 1989, I had been established for nearly two years. It was going well. I had a great number of regular customers and was taking well over a thousand pound a week. Half of that was profit, less petrol and running costs. Not bad for four days a week, albeit the four days were 12-hour days. By this time I had invested in a new van. It was a Bedford Rascal, dark blue. I had had it sign written, with David's high-quality fresh fish on the side. I had been calling at the Collinses at Park Farm in Heckfield for some time. It was a large farm between Reading and Basingstoke. It had some arable fields, beef cattle, sheep and pigs. They were turning the farm into an organic run premises. This involved changes to the use of insecticides and antibiotics. Each process was inspected and overseen by the Soil Association. At this time in the late 80s, this idea was very new and considered a bit wacky. Now people are far more aware of the environment and the need to produce food sustainably. Martin and Louise had three daughters. So we brought our daughters over on a Monday and had a meeting. It was decided we would produce manageable sized meat boxes for the freezer and I could deliver them on a Monday. But we needed a butcher. Luckily, the family that lived next to us in College Peace in Mortimer had a son who was a butcher in the local shop. He had Mondays off, so we approached him to see if he would like to do some extra work for cash. Although mad cow disease had started in 1986, none of the new regulations had been brought in yet. You could take a lamb to Reading Abattoir and collect them a few days later in the back of a car. I used to use my large stainless steel tray in my van if I ever needed to do this. I know this may be a sensitive issue for some people, but I'm going to tell you how it was. So we arranged with this butcher. I've had a word with Deb and his name was Russell. And we brought him over on a Monday to Park Farm. On the kitchen table were five lamb carcasses. Russell had bought his knives and aprons. He started to explain and point out the different parts of a lamb, which bits ended up as chops, shoulders, legs, etc. The Collinses were saying to me, look, Dave, look and learn, you could be a butcher too. But I wasn't really interested in meat. I had placed my choice with fish, and as it turned out, it was Deb who really needed to concentrate. So Russell started cutting up the lambs on the large farmhouse table. We had invested in plastic bags and cardboard boxes. 
After a couple of hours, we had 10 half of lambs all packed up in boxes. Now, I had been testing the water. I had leafleted my customers, advertising our high welfare organic meat for freezers. Our USB, no USB, that's not right. No, USP was that it was local and organic. There was a great deal of bad press about farms and the meat industry due to the ongoing mad cow disease. So this was a major selling point. As Park Farm was situated on my normal Thursday fish round, I had collated a few orders that I could pop out and deliver at that time. So I went off and delivered these half lamb boxes and came back with some cash. By the end of the day we had enough to pay the butcher, invest in a mincer and a sausage maker. We were up and running. I then started taking orders for half pigs. These proved very popular, because as you know, you can use all of a pig apart from its squeal. So we arranged to do this on a Wednesday evening after work. Unfortunately, it turned out to be an unseasonably hot day. We only had one large chest freezer to keep them cool. As the butcher completed dividing up half pigs into boxes, I ran up to the barn where the freezer was located and collected another whole pig on my shoulders and brought it back to the kitchen. Because the freezer was full and wasn't really working at all, chilling down, as the evening went on, the carcasses would hang limply down either side of my shoulders. It got increasingly chaotic as the evening went on. Russell was cutting on the table, Deb was bagging and sealing, Louise writing a description and arranging the boxes and labelling up for delivery. Again, I had arranged to deliver some locally to clear up some space. I ran an order to a customer in Bramley for a whole pig. Now, some customers wanted the pig's heads, some didn't. You can make brawn and different things. But remember, you can't make a purse out of the ears. Anyway, I delivered this whole pig to this customer and called on him on the following Wednesday as I did on my fish round as normal. He said, well, that was the weirdest pig you delivered to me last week. Oh, wh wh why was that, I said. He said, it had two heads. In the confusion, we'd obviously put two heads in his box. But the old boy seemed quite happy. He said he would use them. Back to the farm. Russell was working with great speed, faster than the packers, the labellers and the delivery man. The kitchen was stacked with bits of pigs in bags, boxes, every spare inch of the work service. It was nearly 10 o'clock by now and our girls were getting really tired. It was decided that we should go home and, th and they would finish off tidying up. Martin said to Russell that he could borrow his Peugeot 205i and bring it back in a few days. This was Martin's runaround. He had a big family car, a 4x4 and an off-road motorbike for running around the farm. The Peugeot 205 was a quite a sporty car. I don't think Russell was used to handling anything like it. And as he worked in the village, although he'd passed his test, I'm not even sure if he had a car at that time. Anyway, 
he went and wrote it off later that night. He always maintained that he swerved to miss a fox, but I just think he lost it. He was lucky he walked away without a scratch or any damage to his butchering hands. We had a meeting after the chaotic and frantic pig evening, which we would refer to after this as the day of pig's disaster. We came to the conclusion that it was too much work to do in an evening. So when we did a beef pack, that was arranged for a Monday again. Remember, each time we did this, we had to learn the different cuts and joints of meat. It was all very new to us. Also, my customers started up for asking particular joints and cuts. By now, we had invested in a mincer needed for beef. With beef, you would have a whole side of beef which filled the whole kitchen table. Scraps and offcuts were thrown into a big bowl and the mincer man, or woman, would be mincing away and weighing out quantities of mincemeat. The £20 beef boxes were more complicated. You could have steaks, joints, stewing bits and bags of mince. Obviously the fillet steak was very expensive and we were limited to how much we had. So the order boxes had to be marked up for each person. We would freeze them down before future delivery on a Monday. Although I didn't work on a Monday, I still had things to do. I had to phone in and find out which fish were available and collect my orders for Tuesday. I had to do my weekly banking of my fishy notes and coins, eagerly awaited by the NatWesh cashiers in Mortimer. Often my van may need a service, and that was always arranged for a Monday. We were struggling to keep up with demand, and with all the orders coming in. We had a bit of stock with some boxes frozen ready, but inevitably they would require particular joints and cuts. It could take a few weeks to complete an order, and most people were happy if the stock was from the freezer, but some were not. We needed to go to the next level. I can't really remember how we came across the empty shop in Burfield, only a mile from our home. We must have driven past it many times. I can't remember being advertised in an estate agent's. There was a flat above that a family lived in, so maybe we approached them. Anyway, I remember we arranged a meeting to have a look round the shop. It was great that it was previously a butcher's shop, so it had access was through a glass door with off-road parking for four or five cars. The shop was split into two areas and had a large walk-in chiller in the backyard. We were all very excited and buoyed up by our sales. We may have been a bit naive. This was autumn 1989 and the then Chancellor Nigel Lawson kept saying to us, don't worry, there's definitely no recession looming. So we took on the shop with a two-year lease at £200 a week. But now we were in a race to get the shop ready in time for the Christmas rush. We located a second-hand chiller. There was already one big one in the shop and there was a butcher's block there. A butcher's block, think of a big chopping board on legs. The long one was going to be used for meat and chilled goods. The small one was for a selection of fresh fish. It was to be a whole food shop, 
selling a range of dried goods, rice, flour, cereal, but all organic, as well as environmentally sound cleaning products. We were well ahead of our time. So we had to settle on a name of the business and a sign for the shop. We came up with Terry, Collins and Daughters. So we ordered a shop sign and an A-board to be made. I used my friend, the signwriter, who had done my van recently. I had known him for many years. We were in road track together. I would often go out helping him on my days off, holding the ladder, fetching brushes. I helped him in one job in Slough High Street. It was on an Indian restaurant. Now, when you write a sign, you chalk out the design so you know the size of the letters and the spacing. It was amazing to watch him at work. He would write one line and then go down and do another line and completely change the type script in his head without looking it up. Anyway, he had finished this job, but the customer wasn't happy. He phoned him up and complained about all the chalk lines. Now, once the paint was dry, all you needed to do was to wipe this down with a damp cloth. But he wasn't willing to do this. So I got this phone call at Power Gardening, asking if I could acquire a ladder, drive down Slough High Street in the middle of the day and clean this chalk off for this customer. So there I am up this ladder with a Power Gardening van on the pavement hoping and praying that my boss wouldn't appear round the corner. So we ordered the sign with Terry, Collins and Daughters, Natural Good Food. Then on the window in stencils we had Purveyors of Fine Organic Food since 1990. And on the door, a butcher's shop and the times we were open. We ourselves had no money so the Collins were paying for all this investment, which was mounting up fast. We ordered shelving units, knives, scales, a new till, and all the other sundries, bags, order books. We had a large walk-in chiller. Uh, we had to have it serviced and checked over, so that was all cool. But we were still enthusiastic and hopeful. Debbie was going to be managing the shop and in a few weeks we would be making a profit and they would be getting their money back. We were advertising for a full-time butcher to employ. So we were nearly ready. We had one last push. Martin and Louise came over and we had a frantic day painting, sweeping, dusting, laying out stock and getting everything ready. We had interviewed many butchers I don't think I was involved in this, so I was still doing my fish round and would continue to do my fish round all the time the shop was open. We had settled on a butcher who would work from Tuesday to Saturday. His name, for the purpose of this podcast, will be referred to as Mr Lion Thieving Bastard. So we opened on a Saturday. We had created a big event with bunting and a barbecue producing sausages for tasting out the front. Martin Louise and all the daughters were in attendance and we had sent leaflets to all my customers and were advertising in the local press. 
no social media or phones yet. We had an A-board out on the main road to attract attention. As well as showing the shop name, it had a blackboard area where you could put down the specials. It was very heavy, I can vouch for that, as I made the mistake of writing Happy 30th Birthday Deb on it once, and she came into the shop and threw it at me. We had a great first day. We needed to take well over a £1,000 a week to break even. That would cover wages and the lease. So we settled into a routine. Deb went off to work on a Monday till lunchtime. She would use this time to do orders and paperwork. The butcher wasn't in, but by now Deb had learned uh, pretty fast that she could mix and make sausages, use the mincer and the various knives. Eventually, she would learn how to cut up a lamb and half a pig. The physical lifting was quite hard. But even now, if she goes into a local butcher's and asks for a particular cut, she could call him out if he was trying to palm her off with wrong, the wrong thing. I would look after the girls on Monday, do the ordering and preparing for my fish round. Then on Tuesday to Friday, Linda would have the girls. The girls always looked back on this time fondly, always referring to Linda as their second mum, or if they're looking to wind Debbie up, their first mum. On a Saturday, if I had football, Linda would have the girls as well. I remember one particular time I returned home with John. It had been the last game of the season and we had won promotion. I was very drunk. Linda dropped the kids back from over the road. But half an hour later, little Millie arrived back at Linda's. She was in her pyjamas and slippers and banging on the door, saying, Daddy's not very well. Linda rushed back over to find me passed out on the sofa. She gathered the girls up and took them back over the road for their tea. She then came back and checked on me every few hours till I was fit to take over. Hello. Is that social services? So Sunday became a big day for us. It was the only day of the week we had off. But it was often filled with family commitments. I was now getting my fish delivered to the shop. I had arranged for Ma, my fresh fish wholesaler, to have a copy of the key to the walk-in chiller. He would arrive at some unearthly hour early in the morning and stack my boxes in the chiller. This gave me an extra half hour in bed, as I only had to arrive at the shop around seven. I would sort out my fish on the van and then set out any fish in the shop. I could use the facilities, the chopping boards, the hot water and the wash up on the, on the, in the yard on a Friday. By this time, George was renting an old milking shed on a farm in Graysley. I did find it a bit lonely in the mornings, all on my own. But from this time on, I never went back down the fish yard to hook in Hampshire again. In the shop, we started taking orders for Christmas. We had to buy turkeys in on that first year, but in future years we would produce our own free-range turkeys at Park Farm. They had a lovely field to run around in the day and a warm, straw-filled barn to sleep in. But don't get sentimental, 
they still didn't book any skiing holidays for after Christmas. In future years, I love Turkey Plucking Day. You have to be careful how you say that. We would go over to Park Farm. Martin and one of his farmhands would be dispatching the turkeys. They would be hung up in a barn and you would start plunk, plucking. We had to learn on the job. As I get older, I do think of things that I've learned in my life and I often think I'll never need that skill again. And then something comes up and I remember, I know how to do that. An example is on a future job, they had hired a petrol strimmer to clear the weeds in the yard of the warehouse, but no one knew how to start it till I stepped in because I had obviously learned years ago at Cook and Mowers. Anyway, back to the turkeys. We would learn how to pluck the turkeys. You had to be very careful plucking on the breast area. You didn't want to pull it and tear it. And then we would all go in for lunch, have this great big bowl of soup, all covered in white feathers. I mean, us, us all covered in feathers, not the soup. Let's talk more about turkeys. In the years we did do turkeys in the, in the shop, we would take orders. Customers would then stipulate the weight of bird they required. We would lay out all our stock all over the shop. Every spare worktop was utilised. Now, as every butcher will tell you, the weather always warms up just before Christmas Day. So the allocated turkeys had to be done quickly so they could be returned to the chiller. Deb would sort it out. By this time, she knew her customers well. Mrs Lovely Lady. Now, she's ordered a £14 bird, but we can give her this £16 one because I know she'll be fine with that. Mrs Tight as a Camel's Arse in a Sandstorm. She asked for a £10 bird. She says she'll have to have this one and it's got to be dead on £10 because she wouldn't cope with the extra cost. Well, more turkey tales and fishy faults in the next episode. Well, if you've enjoyed this episode, you know what you gotta do. You gotta like it, and you gotta share it.